Welcome to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, how are you doing this fine Wednesday morning? Oh, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm in a great uh, place right now. Home. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. It's, it's nice to be in the comfort of your home. So let's talk about what, you know, what the big news was yesterday. And it was huge. It was Steelers former scout and director of player personnel, Bill Nunn, being announced as a contributor finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the class of 2021. Huge announcement. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in Pittsburgh were very happy to see this, especially people who understand the history of the organization and what Bill Nunn has brought to, to not just the Steelers, but the country. Dale, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? Well, I, I did expect this to happen. Uh, I wasn't quite sure when they were going to announce that. I knew it was coming today at some point. Uh, but uh, just seeing uh, that, that uh, you know, they made this, this step and, 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 you know, put Bill Nunn out there, this is long overdue. Um, you know, without the contributions of Bill Nunn, uh, you know, Walter Payton doesn't happen. Um, you know, perhaps Jerry Rice doesn't happen. Right. You know, these are, these are, you know, some of the greatest players in NFL history uh, don't happen. And I might add this, Bill Nunn started for the Steelers in 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, John Mitchell, who of course was a longtime Steelers assistant coach, now is, helps out on the, on the end of the, the, the players end of things with them, uh, kind of in not, not full retirement, but semi-retirement. He was, um, Mitch was, the first uh, one of two, they were two, he and another guy uh, were the first African-American players at Alabama. Wow. That happened in 1970. Think wow. about that now. So until Bill Nunn came along and started, you know, really scouting the, the historically black colleges, even though they weren't necessarily called that at the time, uh, you know, you were talking about an era when, you know, there was still a lot of segregation in college football. A lot of the top programs that are now, you wouldn't even think of, of Alabama without, without African-American players. Uh, you know, it wasn't integrated until 1970. So when the Steelers hired Bill Nunn in 1968, it was kind of groundbreaking. And, you know, he, he had been at the Pittsburgh Courier, which, of course, was not just a Pittsburgh paper. It was a, a national It was It was uh, the national black newspaper. Right. And so, you know, Bill Nunn had put together the, the, the you know, the, the black All-American team every year for a number of years and, and was trying very hard to get, you know, get some of these guys into the NFL. And the NFL, uh, you know, was integrating at the time, but it wasn't, it wasn't a full-scale thing. And they weren't looking at those historically black colleges probably as much as they should have as, as people found out when the Steelers started drafting the Mel Blunts and the Joe Greens, yeah. and, and, and some of these other players, the great players, the John Stallworth, guys like that, that Bill Nunn opened the door for. Mm-hmm. And once, once these other teams saw the Steelers having success with these guys, well, then they followed suit and, and started, you know, scouting, you know, the heck out of these schools as well. And now you get guys like a Javon Hargrave out of South Carolina State or some of these other places that have, have produced, uh, you know, a Darius lot of – Leonard. Yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of great players – um, you know, grambling and places like that that, that you know, weren't really represented at the, in the, at the NFL level at that time. Unless, the, you know, they just weren't finding these players because they didn't look at these, at these teams. And, and Bill Nunn was the, the reason that all of this happened 
Um, this is way, way, way past due uh, that he gets a spot in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame that he's not around to, to see this happen. But uh, if you saw the call between David Baker, who's the president of the Hall of Fame, and his daughter, Bill Nunn's daughter, um, earlier today, uh, it was a great moment. Uh, the Steelers are very happy about this. They've been wanting Bill Nunn to be in the Hall of Fame for quite some time now. He was an inaugural member of their uh, their Hall of Honor class, or I think the second year of the Hall of Honor class, and now he'll be joining them in the Hall of Fame. That could be five Steelers in the Hall of going into the Hall of Fame next year because I expect Alan Fanica to go as well. Uh, Bill Nunn's going to get rubber stamped. This is going to happen. He needs 80% of the vote. Uh, there's no way that doesn't happen. Uh, with Bill Nunn, I think the respect that he had around the league is, um, you know, I think everybody sees this as a, as a big positive. Uh, he needs to go in, and he'll be the first scout of any type, the wow. first scout to go into the Hall of Fame, and it's Bill Nunn. I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, and you're the guy, you, you literally spoke at the Hall of Fame voting committees and, and, and you have a vote and you, you represented Troy Polamalu last year uh, to, to hear you say you think it, it's a rubber stamp type of situation with Bill Nunn getting in that that's a serious uh, a really good sign for, I think for Steelers fans I gotta say as a person I graduated from Chain University we are the first historically black college in the history of, of the, you know of, of the country we were founded in 1837 you know during slavery and when any time that that you're that you're an HBCU, you go to one, you graduate from one. When you see HBCU people out there, players in in, in athletes, you're like, okay, right there. Uh, and and it, it's a sort of camaraderie, like you you all understand what you went through and you know what that experience is. And for for Bill Nunn, it, he's always like one of those shining gems. Like I didn't even play college football, but everybody knew and talked about. The, the legacy of HBCU athletes. And, you know, I, I, you know, I remember at Cheney, I used to get to brag about that because like, I'm from Pittsburgh. Ha, 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 take that. Um, and Bill Nunn, you know, having his history there. I mean, Gary Pomerantz wrote about this in his book, Their Life's Work, saying, you know, he was a little skeptical about joining the Steelers because, you know, of issues with getting credentials when he was just with the Courier for, for a little while. But the Rooney's fixed that. And he was like, okay, uh, well, the, you know, we'll give this a shot. And it turned out, you know, like, like you said, he found several HBCU players, you know, uh, you know, among the ones you listed, you know, you know, there was Dwight White, Elsie Greenwood, uh, Ernie Holmes, you know, you know, you said Donnie Shell, Joe Gilliam, Frank Clark, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of guys, you know, in that era that they that they found and teams, like you said, teams started looking at the Steelers and be like, hey, we need some of those guys over here. Uh, I even recall what reading one thing that said, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, Bill Nunn was pounding the table for Chuck Noll to get John Stallworth before he got Lynn Swan because he thought he'd be that good. Um, and so I, I think it speaks to the world of Bill Nunn that he led such a movement that changed the landscape of football. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he got recognized by the Black College Football Hall of Fame. He was part of that inaugurating class back in 2010. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's sad. It's tells you all you need to know right there. I mean, he's part of the inaugural class yeah. of that group. I mean – Again, founding father, really, of, of kind of the modern NFL, what it's become. Yeah. Ser no, seriously, I, I, I didn't even think about saying it that way, but I think that, that he, he can be – you can plant a flag of founding father with all the things. That, it's also sad his, his, uh, his son, Bill Nunn Jr., didn't get to see this. He passed away. Uh, he was a famous actor. He, he played Radio Raheem and Do the Right Thing. And, uh, 
uh, in the end of, uh, I remember in the end of school days, he even wore a, a Steeler shirt in the final shot of the, of the Spike Lee movie um, as a sort of, uh, you know, homage to the Steelers because, you know, he grew up with, you know, with his dad being a scout there. Um, so huge announcement for Bill Nunn. You know, I, you know, you heard it here first from no place else. Dale Lally of DK Pittsburgh Sports says it's a rubber stamp deal. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. You heard it here first on the DK Steelers podcast. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go over some of the things that happened at camp yesterday. And Dale had some really good stuff on why we should be even more excited about TJ Watt than we possibly thought we could be. All that right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. back here on the DK Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here joined by my co-host and friend, Dale Lolly. We just talked about Bill Nunn, but we let's talk about what's going on lately with the Steelers. They had an indoor practice, Dale. They took things inside after it looked like a thunderstorm was coming their way, but they were able to get a full, uh, full day's, day of working. But, Dale, yesterday you spoke with T.J. Watt among the Pittsburgh media, and uh, there were some there were some interesting tidbits that you got out of that, that, that you got that you got a TJ that you wrote about on uh, on our site dkpittsburghsports.com. To me, it it, just, it screamed like, oh my goodness! You mean you mean that we we haven't seen the best of TJ Watt? You mean last year wasn't like you know we should that that's just the level we should expect here? It seemed like he's saying like, man, I'm just I I have a whole extra level to get to. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that you have to understand about TJ Watt is that. Um, he has that work ethic, uh, that, 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 uh, desire to be great. And, you know, he's not going to rest on his laurels. It would be awfully easy for a guy, you know, who had 14 and a half sacks last year, who, who, uh, you know, was third in the, in the NFL defensive player of the year voting to say, okay, I've arrived. I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I'm, I'm all pro, uh, you know, I, I can, uh, you know, I, I've, I've reached the pinnacle. I don't think he's done that yet. He's still 25 years old. I don't think we've seen the best of TJ Watt to this point. Uh, he's a technician. Uh, the hand work that he puts in, you see that him going over the hand placement and those things constantly. He's always working with Bud Dupree with that as well. Uh, those guys want to be great. And, you know, I, I think <clears throat> he as good as he was last year. Um, there are things that he can be even better at this year. And it's a scary notion. It's one of the reasons why I look at the Steelers' defense. And I've, I've already on, on record predicting 65 sacks this year. I think they're certainly capable of that. Um, and, and I think T.J. Watt's a big reason for that. Absolutely. You know, I, I look at T.J. Watt, 
and like I, I saw his progress. Like I, it's it's been really cool seeing his progress. I wrote about his his draft profile for DK Pittsburgh Sports years ago, saying like you know, hey, in college, like he's really good at winning with a couple moves, but he's going to need to expand that. And then through training camps over the years, I saw him expand his repertoire of what different moves he could use and how good he got at those different moves. And last year was I, I was like, all right, he's arrived. This is where where he's going to be, but. You're right. I mean, he is only 25 years old. He can still have a lot to learn. And, you know, he keeps growing. And from what you've been saying, what you what you wrote, you know, he's going 100 miles per hour uh, in, in, in practice right now. I mean, like, if, like if, if I'm a superstar athlete and it's training camp, I might be thinking like, hey, I'm going to scale back a little bit. You know, like I can, I can see so many guys taking that step, not TJ Watt. He's like, no, I'm going every, you know, full steam ahead every play. Um, you know, I, I remember Ramon Foster sharing a perspective from Vontez Burfick after Roosevelt Knicks crushed him after a play. And he told Roosevelt Knicks, I don't care. I got paid. I mean, that was his attitude on the field. TJ Watt, he won't even take that, you know, in practice with him, you know, being third in defensive MVP voting last, last year. Um, I, that 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 says a lot about it, Dale. Do you think, in your time watching, you you've seen the James Harrisons, the Joey Porters, the Greg Lloyds? What you're seeing in the trajectory that he's going on is he is he uh, is does he how far does he have to go to be the best edge rusher that you've seen in your time covering the Steelers? I think he's getting pretty close, actually, Chris. I mean, the last two years have been outstanding, and you know he does everything well. Um, you know from you know, not just getting to the quarterback, but his, his play against the run is stellar. Uh, he, when he drops into pass coverage, again, I, you see where he was, you know, the, the tight end traits that he had uh, because he was a tight end in college. You see that he has a good feel for that, what, what teams are trying to do to him in the passing game. And, you know, the thing that he added really a, a last year was the strip sack. Uh, you know, he gets the trifecta. There were a couple times where he, he pulled off that, that defensive trifecta of, not just getting the sack and the strip, but also then recovering the football as well, or, or essentially taking the ball off the quarterback, uh, which is a little easier when you're coming from that front side. Um, you know, you can do that. You just you just go and grab the football away from the quarterback. So uh, I, I think he has the, the potential to be, uh, dare I say, maybe the, the most impactful defender on, on the Steelers' defense since Rod Woodson. I mean, since Rod Woodson, geez, I mean, that's saying a lot. That, that, that's saying over Troy Polamalu, over James Harrison, over players like you praised, like James Ferrier that kept the whole defense together. I mean, that's, that, that's, I mean, but, but you're right. I mean, the, the fact that we saw what we've seen the past two, three years with TJ Watt and he could get better. I can't imagine what it would be like, like if he, if he gets to 16 sacks, and continues with the forced turnovers. And, and something that, that, he, that he, he talked about a little bit as well in the article that you wrote uh, was this that, you know, who do you, you, know, who do you block? And uh, I, I remember back in the 2016 AFC Championship game, what a lot of people said was the Steelers are blitzing too much. They have to be able to win with four guys. Well, it's four years later, and guess what? They can win with four guys, Dale. Yeah, I mean, they can, and they still do blitz at times. But, uh, you know, when they want to get there with four – uh, they certainly can do that. And, you know, I, as much as people ripped on Bud Dupree, he's a big part of that as well. Uh, you know, Stephon Tuitt coming back this year, Cam Hayward. Uh, that's a front four that's as good as any in the league. 
uh, right now, if not the best group uh, of front four guys in the NFL. Uh, you add in that the, some of the other guys in that front seven, it's a really good group. Uh, the defense is solid from top to bottom, and T.J. Watt is a big part of that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely seeing that. On top of T.J. Watt, you wrote to me the other camp, uh, camp notes. Uh, you wrote a little bit about Anthony McFarlane. Now, practice was moved indoors, so you weren't able to see things there. And even if you were, you probably wouldn't be able to say anything. But it, it seems like Anthony McFarlane continues to make, you know, he- make headlines in this in this training camp. Do you think there's a legitimate chance that he's going to get? Not, not, not even the majority or the next most. But do you think he's going to be? He has a chance to be a real playmaker for this offense, like just the occasional guy that comes in and maybe they set up a screen for him, or he can, he he can come out the backfield and make a big play. Because I keep seeing notes about how he, you know he's working against Devin Bush and doing well against Ulysses Gilbert in coverage, and you know he's not just running the ball; he's catching the ball. Yeah, I think that was the one big question that you had about him. Uh, I liked I like what I've seen of him as an inside runner as well. Um, you know, he's not a little guy. You see him next to to some of the other running backs. He's 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 got a thick lower body uh, for a guy his size. Uh, you know, I think in his case, being five foot eight helps him. Uh, you know, he carries that weight well, and I think you know he's a better receiver than I think he got credit for. You know, Maryland didn't throw him the ball a lot. That wasn't his. We see that with a lot of backs coming out of college that, well, that, that, you know, the receiving skills are a bit of a question mark because most colleges don't throw the ball necessarily to their running backs a whole lot. Um, you know, that was one of the things that was appealing about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You had, you had seen in games uh, LSU throw him the football. Uh, I've been impressed with what I've seen of, of, of Anthony McFarlane catching the football. And I think he can be a weapon, not just in the backfield, but out of the backfield as well. Certainly, I think I think that that would be that that would be interesting. I haven't seen anything at camp. What I saw on 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 his college tape was a guy who once he got the hole, he could make people miss. Once he once he got you in a one on one situation, it's you and me who, who's going to make the tackle. He was very good at just maximizing whatever space that he was in and using his explosiveness to stop, change direction, and quickly get back from zero to sixty. Um, Having a guy like that's going to be very interesting for this offense because you got James Conner, who's your clear RB one. They're 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 hoping to get more out of Benny Snell, who supposedly dropped weight and is supposed to be a little bit quicker this year. But if Anthony McFarland's a guy who can become a playmaker with the balls in his hands immediately, one, I'm interested to see what he can do on special teams as a returner, and two, he might become more of a priority. Get the ball in his hands if he can if he can go from zero to sixty and, you know, take a missed gap and turn that into a 20, 30, 40-yard game. Yeah, I agree, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, you know, work him into the mix uh, because if that happens, it's going to come at the expense of somebody else. Uh, we know James Conner is going to get the football. Um, how do they work uh, Benny, or, uh, uh, Benny Snow and Jalen Samuels into that equation as well? Uh, but I think Anthony McFarland is, is uh, a guy to keep an eye on in terms of, uh, you know, the Steelers finding ways to get him the football. Certainly. Um, I, I, I agree. It's going to be really interesting. We'll keep tabs on that here at, at, with, with, at this DK Steelers podcast with training camp. Uh, Dale, thanks as always. Um, you did note in your article on DKPittsburghSports.com that Kevin Colbert's supposed to speak Wednesday. So that we'll be definitely talking about that uh, when, when, we wrap, when we wrap up Wednesday and get, and get everything going for Thursday's podcast. But Dale, 
thanks as always, man. It's always great to do this show with you. We're going to take one more quick break. When I come back, it's going to be me and you. And don't get me started right after this. to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started on people trying to downplay the Steelers chances this year. Now, hear me out Steelers fans and listeners to this show. You just got done listening to Dale Lolly and I break down all the stuff about the Steelers' defense and the pass rush and how good T.J. Watt can be. We've been talking about how great it is to have Ben Roethlisberger back, how diverse the receiving core is, the offensive line's capabilities. We've been real with you, too. We've told you, hey, running back position, you know. It, it, you know, there's going to be some questions there. James Conner, he's not going to be like Le'Veon Bell in his prime. That's fine. But at the same time, again, I, I'm going to emphasize this. The Steelers don't need to be a number one offense, a number 10 offense. If they're number 16 offense and this defense is just what it was last year, they're Super Bowl contenders. If the defense is better than it was last year and they're 16th ranked offense, they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And if they're better than they were last year on defense and better than 16th in approaching that top 10 range this team's going to the Super Bowl unless major injuries happen this is what I've been talking about for quite some time but there's some naysayers out there you know and, and there's there's people in local media like you know our friend of the the site uh, Mark Madden you know he tweet he's tweeted before like you know oh the Steelers anyone that thinks they have you know really good expectations this year is fooling themselves you know, you know, everyone's pointing. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, they they they've missed the playoffs for two years in a row." You know, you know, what about that? And they, they seem to forget that in 2018, they they game planned to have the best running back in football at the time, which was Le'Veon Bell, and he never showed up, and that was a huge factor in several of their losses. They seem to forget that last year they were missing Stephon Tuitt and Ben Roethlisberger. Stephon Tuitt, who Dale Lally has told us on this very show was looking like the best defender on a defense that had T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Joe Hayden and Cam Hayward. And again, Ben Roethlisberger, you don't need me to explain what, how, how big it was that Ben Ben was gone. You think, and I'm saying this to the people out there that are the naysayers, you think that a team that went 8-6 and six with two of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year is now all of a sudden gonna just keep going eight and six eight and eight are you out of your minds mike tannenbaum on espn if you haven't seen the clip already people have been talking about it but mike tannenbaum he he said something along the lines of like you know hey i see ben roethlisberger as the fourth best quarterback in the afc north throwing over him joe burrow and uh baker mayfield and lamar jackson lamar jackson i can at least you can, I can argue, You're like, all right, fine, you said Lamar, that's fine, but Joe Burrow, he ain't played, Baker Mayfield, are you kidding me, 
it's it drives me nuts to think that you're gonna you're gonna that people continue to push this narrative. And, and this happened when Ben was 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 out was you know dealing with the with the Antonio Brown stuff. Everyone was taking Antonio Brown's side. The national media. I can even tell you just from a, a fan perspectives growing up. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Then I went away for college, and from 2007 to 2010, those seasons, I was I was at Cheney University. Where, again, the first HBCU. Shout out to 1837. I was attending there, and all I heard from the national media, because that's all I could get out in Philadelphia or close to Philadelphia is where Cheney is, was that Ben's not that good. Ben's, eh, he's not that good. And so when I came back to Pittsburgh. I was just like, man, nobody likes Ben. And then, I, to my surprise, I'm seeing Pittsburgh media, and I'm like, whoa, he's fake. Okay, so people do like Ben. I just wasn't aware of what was going on in Pittsburgh. I was paying attention to the national media. So if you're listening to this show, and you're not in Pittsburgh right now, we have a lot of uh, loyal subscribers at DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, do subscribe. You're getting you're missing out on a lot of great content from Dale Lolly, Dave Molinari, Dayon Kovacevic, Taylor Haas, all of us, Alex Stump on baseball. We got Noah Hiles to help backing him up, too. If you're not subscribed, you're missing out. But tell me, if you're one of those people that that's not in Pittsburgh right now, and your and your coverage outside of us for for Pittsburgh, if you're if you watch ESPN or NFL Network or something like that, do you get that sense too? Do you get a sense like, man, like does everybody hate the Steelers until you get to us, and then you're like, oh no, the local guys they they get it. There is a serious disconnect there. And Mark's one thing. That's a, that's that's Mark's game. I get it. We wrote a, a Tom Reed of our wrote a great piece about Mark Madden uh, last week on DKPittsburghSports.com, detailing who he is, his character. It's just a it's a great introspective piece on who Mark Madden is and why he's a radio mogul here in Pit, in, in Pittsburgh. But um, but you know, it, but but like you 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 get where Mark's coming from. That's what he does. He polarizes, but. National media, like, I've seen people just stretch to say the dumbest things. It was, it was, it was uh, the, the Monday night football game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years ago. And Steve Young went on ESPN and said, I was just in the Steelers locker room and you know, I saw there was tension and, and, and the players, they don't like each other and, they, and they're not getting along and there's some serious problems there. There's some serious divide. Steve Young, a Hall of Fame quarterback that's on NFL Network, he don't got nothing to prove to nobody. Why would he stretch the imagination of the truth? And then it was revealed, like, no, there's like for us, all Steelers reporters are saying, like, we've, we've been here for every second of availability and nobody has, has seen Steve Young step set foot in here. And it was like, oh, oops. So why, why, why do they try so hard to tear down good things about the Steelers? And especially this year, there should be praises. Ben Roethlisberger's coming back, comeback story. Easy something that you can fill up your column with. Easy something you, you could, that you could get excited about, do an introspective story, you know, get something along those lines. And still, they're here to bash. And I don't get it, man. And this is a guy that listen. If the Steelers are bad, I'll let you know. Like, like you know, for the, when the Steelers secondary was was garbage, I was kind of like, you know, are you? He got to do these things, but the reality is, he's not good here. You know, you know, Mike Mitchell. You know, he, you know, he does these things, but you know, these are going to be problems. You know, I, I'll let you know when they're problems. That's the whole point of my Carter's classroom column, where I analyze film and break down stuff for you for our our, our readers here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I let y'all know when it's going bad and why it's going bad. But at the same time. 
you got to be objective and looking at the good as well. Some people see that as, oh, you, you got to bash to make it seem like you're being realistic. Or you could just say what you see. And if what you see is good, you report the good. Like, I'll be the first one to tell you. I'm not so sure about the running back situation this year. I'm interested in James Conner. Can he stay healthy? If he does, and the offensive line's good, and the passing game's there, I think the running game will be there. But I'm telling you, they got to they got to pass to set up the run. The run. And I'm going to say that all year long until I'm proven wrong. But that's reality. But I'm not because I'm saying that doesn't mean I'm going to play off and say, you know what, Ben being back, he's going to stink. <laughs> There's no way a rookie quarterback like Joe Burrow, who's never set foot on the NFL field, didn't have a rookie camp, didn't have a mini camp, didn't have a training camp that uh, to didn't have a preseason. Excuse me, did have a training camp, but met his players just a month as met his, met his teammates just a month ago, is going to just integrate into the NFL and be better than Ben Roethlisberger in a system that he's worked in for the past 16 years in the NFL. It's just asinine. And I want to remind people, anyone who took Mike Tannenbaum seriously when he said that, Mike Tannenbaum is also the GM for the New York Jets that selected Mark Sanchez fifth overall in the NFL draft. I'm okay with him saying crazy things. But come on, people! If you're out there, and I know if you're if you're if you're sitting in work right now, or if you're if you're if you know you're gonna meet up with your buddies or Zoom with your buddies or something like that, and and, and you talk sports and you say the Steelers, I'm sure there are people you got people like, oh, you know. Steelers, they're not going to do well. You know, they missed the playoffs. I don't know about that offense. Juju is, uh, I don't know. Tell, tell them, guess what? The Steelers are on the verge of having the best front four and the best defense in the NFL. People can deny all they want. The Steelers need, 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 need two main things. A, they need to stay healthy. They got to stay out of coronavirus. They got to stay healthy. B, they need Ben to get back to being Ben if he's healthy and he plays the whole season and he can and he can throw that ball around, hit some deep balls to to Juju and Chase and Deontay and James. Do all that. The offense will take care the offense will do it. The defense will take care of itself at that point if they're healthy. I, I am thoroughly convinced of that. So believe me when I tell you that this this the Steelers are going to, are, are in a really good spot here. And if they're if they're ravaged by injuries and COVID, that's one thing. But as of right now, you could tell anybody telling you to get the heck out of here when it comes to bashing the Steelers this year going into this season, especially when it comes to ranking them amongst the AFC North. Huh. But y'all got me started. And I'm Chris Carter here of DKSpittsburghSports.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show of the DK Steelers podcast. Hope you enjoyed my Don't Get Me Started rant. If, does this get you started? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. Also, if you're loving the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're on all forums. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are hosted. But if you go on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review with a positive comment. We will appreciate you. Thanks so much to all those who do it. If you if moving moving forward, we got a lot to talk about. Kevin Colbert is going to speak tomorrow. Dale's going to get first dibs on that. So be prepared for tomorrow's show where we get to talk to Dale about Kevin Colbert and all the salary cap concerns the Steelers have. Thanks for checking in. We'll be back very soon. Mm-hmm.